Good morning. I'm Terry Woods, and this is Texas Storytellers. Do you know that this is March? I know you haven't heard us in a long time, but we're back. And it's a good month to be back because this is Women in History Month. We just shortly, uh, a little while ago, celebrated the International Day of Women. And so I thought this would be the perfect time to bring, as my guests, some storytellers who are women in Texas. And I have my first one with me. But I want to make sure that you understand that we're, that you can watch us on Woodlands Online. And there's a Roku station at KVQT21. You can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And this morning, I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Tina Cafeo. She has lived in Texas for quite some time. She'll tell you how long when we get to that. But I want to tell you a story. She and her husband are directors in theater, local theater. And one time, oh my goodness, I can't tell you how many years ago, I got up enough nerve to do an audition. It was my favorite play, The Sound of Music. And I was supposed to go after this um, person who had a pianist and was singing an incredible song. And I go after her. And I have my piece of paper out so that I don't forget the words. I always know the words, but I'm always, you know, a little bit unsure. So had my piece of paper out to sing favorite things. So you know I knew the words because it's so familiar. My knees were shaking. They actually knocked. I was so nervous. Well, the end of the story is that lady was Tina Cafeo who was prominent in the play. I got a part. I was a nun. It's the only part I really wanted in The Sound of Music. I've actually been able to do that a few times. And my nerves went away because of this very, very enchanting, colorful lady. I'm going to let her introduce herself and give you a little bit of background about who she is and how she came to Conroe. Tina, it's all yours. Okay. You're on. Hi, everybody. And Terry, I have to thank you so much for inviting me to do this today. Uh, the, to do things like this, I love, you know. Uh, it, it's fun, and it gives you a chance to to have people recognize you, you know, sometimes then when you're in a restaurant or something, and it's fun. Mm -hmm. uh, you get to know people, and of course, theater is all about personal relationships anyway, and then getting your audiences to come back and see you all the time, mm -hmm. you know, so it, things like this are so important where we can get people involved and where they know about the theaters that we work with, the people that we work with. Uh, Terry, and I have had some wonderful times together doing shows. Now, she asked me to give you my background. 
My background started in New York City. I studied with Stella Adler, who at the time, this is years and years ago, uh, at the time she was one of the very, very best acting teachers actually in the world. She had studied with Stanislavski mm-hmm. personally. And so she taught us all the method acting. And after I finished at Stella's, I started auditioning in New York City. And I was very fortunate. I did mus- I only did musicals. And I got cast in, uh, well, I was the leading lady for loads of stock companies in New York and in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. And then I also did national touring companies. And I actually did the lead in an off-Broadway show way back when. It was called A Lady Named Joe, and it was based on Little Women. Oh, really? oh my uh-huh. gosh! It was based on. It was a musical based on Little Women. And then, if you remember, what about twenty five years ago, they wrote another musical, which became very popular and well known. But uh, I had the opportunity, you know, to do that off Broadway lead, which was loads and loads of fun for me. And um, then I got cast in a movie opposite my ex husband, and. Um, I met him while we were filming the movie, and he asked me to marry him, but he said, no more theater. And that's how we ended up down here from New York City. We moved down here because they got a great job opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so when I came down here, I started getting involved with some of the community theaters, mm-hmm. Um Country Playhouse in Town and Country. I did a lead for them in Anything Goes. And then Playhouse 1960 asked me to do the first lead because they were just starting to develop and open a new theater. And so that's how I ended up down here. My ex-husband, you know, got a great job down here. And the one thing I want to say about Texas, I've been here about 50 years. Oh, my goodness. The people, I got off the plane and started meeting these wonderful people who know and understand the word gracious, hospitality, friendliness. And I was coming from New York City where you deal with a lot of brash New Yorkers. Uh, At the time, before I moved down, I was working as uh, the executive secretary and A&R assistant to Ernie Altshuler, who is at RCA Records, and he's the person who produced the Tony Bennett hit, I Left My Heart in San Francisco. (laughs) So I got uh, an opportunity to work in the recording sessions with a lot of the big stars. And um, it was really fun because even though I left doing theater, I still had my hand in the pot because I was helping out with the recording sessions, you know, for all these celebrities. And that was loads of fun. And you learn a lot about celebrities when you do that. They're interesting. Um, And so then when I came down here, I really got involved with community theater. And that's like you said, Terry, how we met mm-hmm. and have had some really good times together. Oh, that's incredible. So did you bring your children up here? I had one daughter. I only had one child. And mm-hmm. yes, I did bring Sabrina up here. You know, she mm-hmm. was definitely a Texas girl. 
And uh, Sabrina, I left theater for about, I want to say, 12 to 14 years because my daughter got heavily involved in beauty pageants. And the world of beauty pageants is a world all unto itself. I'm sure it is. And every weekend we'd be doing a beauty pageant somewhere. And I eventually ended up as an official judge for the Miss Texas, Miss America beauty pageants, all their preliminaries. Mm -hmm. And uh, in my judging, I ran into a girl named Debbie Sue Maffitt. And I started to groom her and help her. And Debbie was doing all the beauty pageants here in Texas, including the Miss Texas prelims to go to the Miss America. But Debbie couldn't win. So I said, Debbie, you are so highly groomed. Move to another state. And Debbie moved to California and won Miss California. And Debbie went on to win Miss America in 1983. Oh, my. So I had kind of another career during all this because of my daughter, you know, loving the beauty pageants. Right. And then when Sabrina stopped doing the beauty pageants, I went. I met Manny, my husband now, who loves theater. And Manny and I got married, and then I went back to doing theater. And Ooh. so that's how Manny and I met, doing theater. I yelled and screamed at him because he. I was in a play, and he was doing tech. He rang the doorbell instead of the phone. So after the show, I went up to where he was doing tech and screamed at him, told him he was an idiot, and stormed out of there. And I hadn't seen him for a year. But then a year later, uh, I went to see a play at 1960 Playhouse, and he was doing the lead. And he was funny and great on stage. I couldn't believe it. So... I was developing a young kids performing group, and I asked him to come be a part of it. And at first, he hesitated because I had treated him so badly. So he said, yes. He says, if you change your way of dealing with people. <laughs> so I changed. <laughs> and uh, we did shows together, and then we eventually got married. And now we still do shows together 41 years later. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. So you've been married for 40, 40 years. 40 years. And we dated a year before. Oh, mm -hmm. my goodness. All right. So you were at Playhouse 1960 for quite some time. Yes. A long, long time. We and you really were on helped. their board as well. I wasn't on the board, but Manny was on the board. Manny was on mm -hmm. the board. I'm too social to be on a board. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Want me in at a meeting because I want to talk about costumes and fun and songs. Mm -hmm. So, no, I wasn't on the board, but Manny was on the board for quite a while there. Wow, that's quite interesting. And Playhouse 1960, of course, is, is off of 1960 and uh, Cut and Road in Houston, and it's still a viable theater. Yes. Mm -hmm. They still do uh, wonderful shows. And, of course, we all love musicals. At least I do. I look yes. for them in lots of small theater. My favorite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and now you, you kind of have a, a reputation in Conroe, Texas. Yes. I got lucky. I mean, you know, God looks over you. I got lucky in Conroe. I ended up, I guess, where I belonged. 
<laughs> and um, started directing shows there. And um, they gave out Monty's. They had, uh, you know, to them it was like the Oscar night, They the Monty's. And... Um, like a Tony I, night. Yes, just like winning a Tony. Mm -hmm. And we... We did some great shows, and I was very fortunate. I won some of the Monty's, and then I also won a Monty for Lifetime Achievement Award, which uh, just touched my heart. It, it, I, I couldn't believe it, <laughs> but it touched my heart. And needless to say, that award has a special place in our house. Yeah, well, um, it was well deserved too. And uh, well, thank you. And I'm still up at the Crichton directing, and uh, very excited about being there. You mm. know, because the Crichton's a wonderful theater. It's historic, you know, all sorts of history. And the great thing about Conroe, then right across the street is the Owen Theater. And they do wonderful theater. And they've got a wonderful group of people associated with them also. So uh, if you're in Conroe and you want to do theater, you've hit the right town because... These these two theaters do very professional, mm -hmm. wonderful theater. Um, for anybody listening, if you really want to go see a good show with a very professional touch and you don't want to drive all the way downtown to the Hobby Center, um, the Crichton in Conroe and the Owen in Conroe, their shows are wonderful. Mm -hmm. The Crichton and the Owen um, are both very, very well known in Conroe and outside yes. of Conroe, Texas. And Conroe's just recently been um, called a music destination. And they're trying to, to, they're working on now being an arts destination. So if you're ever in this area of Texas, or think you should be, uh -huh. they're both very, very good places to look up. Yes, and, um, yes, yes. I, I totally agree with that. But back to you. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Tina, let me ask you a question. If if you could work with the arts, because I know you've worked with, in other areas of the arts, if you could work with the arts, what's your what is your favorite um, performance type to do? Is it is it musicals? Oh, is it is it? definite. It's musicals. From the time I was 10 months old, I was singing Yankee Doodle Dandy with the choir in church. Mm -hmm. um, my mother always said about me, it's in her blood. They could never shut me up. I sang from the time I woke up till I went to bed. Um, I love musicals. I, I thrive on it. One of, one of my most thrilling moments is when I'm up at the Crichton and everybody's gone home from a rehearsal or a show and I'm locking up the theater and it's very, very quiet and I'll sit down in the seats and just enjoy the magnitude of the audience having been there, the excitement of the performers, you know, putting on a show for the audience, uh, meeting the audience afterwards outside of the theater. Um, I just love to sit at that wonderful theater and reap in all the wonderful things that have happened there and been a part of my life that I've been so fortunate 
to have gotten involved with the Crichton Theater. I have been blessed. And the people, the people in Conroe and the Woodlands area all around, they're wonderful. They're so, you, I'm sure you know, Terry, because you get involved in so much. Mm -hmm. They're supportive. They're generous. They're kind. They're friendly. You know, a wonderful, wonderful group of people. Yeah, the Crichton was actually an old uh, movie house. Yes. Long, long time ago. And in and approximately um, 1976, there was a theater group that uh, were the Crichton, or Crichton players now. Yes. Well, well, they're kind of stage right now. Well, yeah. They were Crichton players for a long, long time. And when they first started out, they were doing musicals and they were using the high school, the local high school, Conroe High School. And uh, that developed into redoing the Crichton, not as a movie house, but as a performing stage. And um, it has been a performing stage ever since. Yes. And um, the architecture, the Art Deco and so forth is just absolutely beautiful. Yes. The Crichton players were there for about, well, up until 2007 and 2008, uh, the Owen Theater opened up, which was a car dealership before that, and the city of Conroe rebuilt it to become a theater, and um, the now Players Theater Company is the resident theater company of that. So you have two community theaters yes. in the same area, in the same downtown, which is just remarkable. Lucky us. <laughs> Lucky us is true. <laughs> I love I love to see the young people go this way and then come back across the street this yes. way and i yes. just i just think it's wonderful it is it, and it, depending on what show like you were you were saying before before we um started the cast that um newsies is uh here now yes and it's there's at a, the owen there is a ton of kids and young adults in newsies and the show is fabulous mm -hmm. i went last week and the show is fantastic. That's really good. It is. It's so professionally produced. The choreography is outstanding. It, mm. The cast is fabulous. It's wonderful. And they're they're mostly local talent. Yes, Very that's local the talent. amazing thing, mm -hmm. Terry. I am so glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. The talent that we get at at our our theater, the Crichton, and the the Owen Theater. I am telling you, there are probably six people I could name that have the quality of talent that if they went to New York City and they auditioned, they would get cast in things. Mm -hmm. They are so good. Mm -hmm. Some of these singing voices are phenomenal. You know, mm -hmm. it, the, the talent is... I was shocked at our first audition. No, sure. When I first auditioned, you know, from a show that I was directing. Mm. And um, over at the Crichton, just a couple of weeks ago, I saw the Drowsy Chaperone, which in these times, I'll just go ahead and say it. In these times, you need a good, good laugh, something that is not based on drama. <laughs> and this so was so, so that. It was funny. It was well done. And you can say the same thing for the choreography and the talent and everything that goes with a musical. It, it, was, it was really, really 
worth the trip. Thank and you, you and you yes. have to you have to um really weigh what you go to now. Mm-hmm. You don't you you don't want to waste anything to get yes. someplace. So I really think about what I want to do and where I want to go. And that that was definitely the right place to be then. Yes. So, and congratulations like you said, to you and me. needed a laugh, you oh, know. Yes. And all of us needed a laugh. Mm-hmm. It's gotten so I hate to watch the news because it depresses me so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's so great when you can go out and have an evening filled with laughter and fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. And I, I know that you know that um, I work with uh, children in the arts and um, work with the theater group. Yes. But you've done that for years. In fact, that's one of the reasons that I do it, because I, I watched you ta- uh, be with students, help them sing, and so forth. So that's a whole career that you had other than. yes. Because, exactly. Um, and it's so rewarding, isn't it, Terry? Oh, my gosh, Because yes. you get to help mold the young people mm-hmm. into a very special talent. And then you are so proud of them when they get on stage and everybody goes, wow. And you think, oh, wow, <laughs> helped. I helped get him to this point. That's right. That's right. But you're a singer, So you helped mostly with voice. I did, voice lessons. Would you mind talking about that a little bit? Oh, I just, I loved teaching the voice lessons. I loved it. Uh, I started it because I wanted to develop a theater group for kids. And I called it uh, Star Makers. And this was years and years ago. And what happened, so many of the kids years and years ago showed up for auditions but didn't have the voices. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, but had the potential, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I thought, I'm going to help these kids out. So I started just for free at my house, bringing kids in to get them where vocally, you know, they could be competitive if they went to auditions and then they'd be wonderful in the shows. And so I actually started out at my house. But then I had some parents that said to me, Tina, you need to open up your own studio to teach voice lessons. And I did. I opened it up, Popolo Village, right on 1960 by Willowbrook. And they built it all out for me. These parents laid the floor. They built the whole thing out for me. I had a studio that seated uh, 75 people. Mm. And we actually could put on shows there. And I did the voice lessons, and I did that for probably about, God, 20 years, um, teaching the voice lessons. And then you you get an opportunity to see one of your students. They'll go to New York to do it professionally. Uh, a young man I, I taught years ago, Jordan Craig, he recently was doing the national tour of Phantom of the Opera doing the lead oh, wow. in Phantom Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. It touches your heart, Mm -hmm. you know, when you see these young people. uh, And we watch them go to New York and get parts on Broadway, Mm -hmm. touring companies, uh, TV series. 
Some of the young kids right now at the Crichton have some TV series that they are actually doing yeah. and filming. Mm-hmm. Um, wonderful, wonderful, talented kids. But I started out with the voice lessons, and I once had a whole group of people, and my husband was coming in. He was listening, and finally he said to me, Tina, you will never get those kids singing. <laughs> By the next summer, they were all singing great. And you know why? Because they had the desire. They wanted it. Mm -hmm. So they worked at it. You know, they really wanted to be able to sing. And it's amazing what you can do when you have the desire and you put in the effort and the time and the work. And and it's really true also that um, kids learn faster and better if they're involved in the arts, if they're, whether they can sing or not, if they're singing, if they're listening to music, if they go to theater, it, yes. all of that richness develops their brain yes. to the point where they will do well in school. And that's been proven so many times. That is a that is such an important point, Terry. That is so true. And um, and you know what it does it keeps them doing something positive <laughs> <That's true. laughs> so they don't get themselves in trouble. Because when you're doing theater, you're, all your free time is taken up. And, you know, you, you then have a great time doing one show and you think, oh, wow, I can't wait to the next show. And you get in another show. And pretty soon you're, you're you know, graduating. You're a kid and you're graduating. And you've had a wonderful life, a great time, made lifelong friends. And you haven't gotten in trouble mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. you've been busy. Yeah, there was somebody um, on Facebook uh, one of our actor friends, both of our actor friends, and um, he mentioned that he he uh, is in a situation where his children are grown, mm-hmm. his grandchildren are grown, and he comes to the theater not just because of the arts and so forth. He loves to get apart. But other than that, it's because afterwards you make that lifelong fl- friendship yes. and you yes. have a family. Yes, and you stay in touch. Even when your lives go in different directions, Mm -hmm. there is that connection there that I watch these kids all the time. They stay in touch. Kids I've taught 30 years ago, they're sending each other pictures of the kids that they've had now and telling them what their kids are doing. Absolutely. And there is a connection there that seems to be lifelong. Oh, yeah, there really is. And that school connection too. I I know it's just, this. This is so important, and anyone who's listening understand that 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 if your school doesn't get them to the theater, get them to the theater. Mm-hmm. There's lots and lots of small theater oh, everywhere. Oh yes, yes. So working with children, for me, lends it lends me t- to be allowed to write, um, adapted fairy tales and things like that. Um, and many times I've, uh, I've well, of course, I've kind of made a collection. And um, many times if you have a group of 25 kids, then you adapt a play to the 25 kids. Yes. Or if you just have six or seven, that gives you the opportunity to write for the six or seven. Mm-hmm. And I love doing that. I think that's why I love 
Texas storytellers so much. But you have written a play that has interested me for a long time, and it's called Who Done It. Yes. Uh huh. And it has its own story. Yes. And you get to tell it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this play is loads of fun, I think, and because number one, the first thing, the audience gets to determine who done it. And the audience loves that. Yes, they love trying to figure out, you know, uh-oh, who's going to be the murderer? So at the end of the show, um, we always had it figured, whether we did it years ago before all the technology, and now with the technology, it's easy. But we that audience is polled, you know, just takes us a few minutes, and then they get to determine who the murderer is. And um, I wrote five different endings so that um, there'd be quite a bit, you know, quite a few potential murderers. And the cast never knows every night, you know, they're surprised like I am because the audience chooses. And that has been lots of fun. It's a murder mystery that I actually had written years ago, like you said, for an acting class I had. And they wanted uh, they wanted to do a play, but I wanted everyone in it to have a good part. And so that's how Who Done It started. And then what happened? So many people liked it when they came to see. You know, the kids put it on. That somebody said turn it into you know a full fledged play. And so we did. We rewrote it and we got it published. And turned it into, you know, a real play, two-act play. Oh, wow. So can you give us a synopsis of the characters? Sure. Uh, two of the, my, well, first of all, there's a detective. So there's always a detective. And uh, you can, I, I wrote the detective so that any director can turn this part into the type of direct detective they want him to be. And so that character is kind of flexible. Then there are the characters of Tim and uh, uh, Fanny Faker. And they were built on the real life uh, Jim and Tammy Baker. And those two characters in the show are so funny. The, uh, they just have to come out on stage and the audience <laughs> is laughing already. Uh, so those characters are delightful because, and I really didn't lie or exaggerate with those characters uh, because that couple was so fascinating and interesting and they were always in the news for something. Uh, then there's a character of the two young people, and the guy is a revolutionary, and he, he wants to fight the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. And at the time I wrote this play, that was actually happening in Nicaragua. So that, again, was built on fact, but I made it fun and, you know, uh, interesting. So we have those two characters. Then we have Michael DeVu. He's, he is a scientist, a mad scientist. He gets killed in the beginning of the show. And then there is his wife, who is the eternal snob. And then there's a part of the reporter who comes in. Uh, the detective holds this one evening with all these people because he tells them, one of you is the murderer. And I'm going to figure this out. 
And so the reporter he invites so that she can then report on it. And so that character is very good. There's a, a character of Prissy, the little girl, who is uh, the daughter of Michael, De uh, the stepdaughter of Michael DeVu. And then there's Michael DeVu's first wife, who also comes into the mix. And so you get all these. And then there's the butler. And as a matter of fact, we just did this play at the Crichton in the fall. The audience almost every night chose the butler, and that <laughs> never happened to us before. <laughs> well, the butler did it. That's right. <laughs> Usually, years and years ago, you know who everybody chose? And I think it's because the bakers were so big then and so well-known. Um, but years and years ago... I want to say nine times out of ten, they chose the bakers mm -hmm. or the fakers, fakers in our play. Yes, the fakers. Um, so, you know, it's um, I guess it depends the time you're doing it. Who knows in 10 years from now who what they it'll choose. be. Right. Right. So does that bring um, a larger audience than some of the other comedies and dramas? No. It, it, in reality, that's a good question because the audience can guess no. Uh, it doesn't bring us a larger audience, but it helps us to get the people in because um, otherwise people like to go to see plays that they recognize the title mm -hmm. in other words a neil simon play mm -hmm. you know somebody mm -hmm. that they recognize they want to go see those plays and a lot of times people go back to see plays they've already seen because they love them steel yes. magnolias being a oh, good that's a good example point. for here yeah. for texas mm -hmm. So um, what were, for us, the draw, we think, was the fact the audience got to guess. So it kept those audiences up to the level of the audience for the other straight plays. Well, you know, people love a good mystery. Yes. And they love a good whodunit. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a little combination. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So wow. we've, enjo we've enjoyed that. We did our whodunit, by the way, also for several uh, charities. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a year this was years ago, and we knew a little girl who needed a liver transplant. So uh, we thought, hey, don't have to pay royalties. It's our show. You know, so my husband and I put it on so that we ever could make maximum money to give to this little girl, you know, for the liver transplant. But uh, we've used the play for things like that too you know uh, not just serious uh, not as entertainment but to serve a purpose what well, have you or manny ever taken on a character in the whodunit or do you always direct it oh we always direct it one of us always directs it okay. yeah we're never i only do musicals um uh, you know as far as being in a play i just i love the musical and um, for the whodunit, is there a part you can describe for us that you maybe really love to write or one that oh, you yeah. rewrite and rewrite? Um, there was a part, yes, the part that I love is the Fanny Faker. <laughs> the audience loves Fanny Faker. She is a 
She, our character, is a phony blonde with a big blonde wig. The big long, if you're, if anybody is familiar with Tammy Baker, she wore the big long eyelashes, mm-hmm. lots of makeup, and then she'd cry, and all the black would it, eyeliner would drip down her face. I love that part, Fanny Faker, in our play. It is hysterically funny. Uh, her husband, uh, Tim Faker hysterically funny the two together are hysterical and we have them come in both dressed in white because they represent the church and god and they think they are holier (laughs) than anybody that ever lived and so uh those are definitely my two favorite characters that's awesome um I just think that that's wonderful that you not only direct plays you love musicals and you write a play or two as well. It's just phenomenal. Yes, we wrote another musical, a friend of mine. She was a writer, Ina Bott. Um, Ina and I wrote a musical that we actually produced and did put on. It's called Shirley from Shirley Temple. We wrote a play about Shirley Temple, a musical. Really? Yes, wrote the whole thing put it on but what happened we ne- only put it on the one time the guy who did the music never wrote it out so we'd have an actual score we could use for whoever was going to play so we never got the music written out mm-hmm. and so we never ever did it again but we did actually write a play called Shirley was it a two act play oh yeah well? it's a yeah. big full fledged musical wow mhm Yes, it's really something. Yeah, it, that that's very popular uh, to see in writing too. Is a, a story about somebody like Shirley Temple, and I just um, saw that um, TV production about um, uh, Lucia Ball. Oh yeah, that yes. was really good, and yes. I, that seems to be really popular. And I know that um, there's one about Rosemary Clooney mm-hmm. and and several other other people so that's really yes yes i love to go to the plays where it's a biography on Mm -hmm. someone that you really knew and you loved their their music or Mm -hmm. their writings or you know whatever i love to see plays like that when it's actually about a real person (laughs) (laughs) well tina I think I'm going to have to ask you back to get the rest of the stories because Texas Storytellers is just excited. Oh, and I would love to come back. That you're here. Tell you kind of what we're all up to, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and doing Mm -hmm. and busy with. Yeah. (laughs) We'll be doing some new interesting things. As always. Yes. As always. My grandkids, you know what my grandkids say? My two uh, grandsons are a riot because I basically made them be involved in theater since they were born. (laughs) And I would decide, oh, Mason, you're going to be in Peter Pan. Jet, you're going to be in Peter Pan. Um, And and then I decided, Mason, you're going to do sound. Uh, Jet, you're going to do lights. I was always having them help me in shows. And so finally, finally, they got to the age where they said, Grandma, you can't tell us what to do anymore. We're (laughs) grown up. (laughs) So now they just come to see the plays. But from the time they were born, I had them involved. So my grandkids have said to me recently, Grandma, you're going to die on the stage. (laughs) You know? (laughs) 
that's all right. <laughs> great. <laughs> great. No problem. <laughs> I hope it's at the end of the show, though. That would be good. Would hate to After ruin. the applause. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, you know, I wrote a book called The Final Bow, and um, it's about the woman at the end of the show, she dies. Oh, my it's goodness. It's called The Final Bow. And you wrote it, is it published? No, I wrote it, and then I never did anything with it. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. Uh, maybe one of these days when I'm sitting around and have nothing to do i'll figure out how to publish it i'm not sure that could happen to you <laughs> i'm just not sure that could happen to you <laughs> well this is the end of our session for today and i want to thank tina so much for coming aboard this thank is my you. pleasure terry thank you for having me this <laughs> This, this has been fun. so fun. Yes, exactly. I loved hearing about who done it and reminiscing about the theaters. We do we do have a rich culture here that everyone yes. should know about. So yes. thanks for that. And thank all of you who do come and support the arts. I thank you from the bottom of my of my heart. We don't want the arts to die. We want them to be alive and thriving for our kids and grandkids. That's right. Well, whether we're writing or directing mm -hmm. or uh, center stage, we love the arts. We love the scripts. And we thank you. And thank you <laughs> so much. And remember that you can watch us on um, Woodlands Online and on the Roku station, KVQT21. And anywhere you get a podcast, please listen. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.